You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. By the way, just a little side note, Hebrews 12, 23 says that you and I are the church of the firstborn. As the church of the firstborn, we have firstborn blessings. We have a firstborn inheritance. Are you with me? It's by God's grace. It's not anything we have done. It's because we're the church of the firstborn. In today's message, Pastor Danny will share with you that the book of Hebrews has an important reminder. All Christians are the church of the firstborn Jesus. And just like in the story of Jacob and Esau, we have the firstborn birthright. We have the blessings that are only given to the firstborn child. But what have we done to deserve this? Nothing. The inheritance of the firstborn is given to us because of the finished work of the cross. Christ died to give us free access to himself and his gifts. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 27 as he begins his message, The Story of Jacob. Genesis chapter 25, a couple of chapters ago, Isaac got his bride. Her name is Rebecca. They are married, but time passes and she's not able to have children. So chapter 25 and verse 21 says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other uh, within her and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord says to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And here's what we want to focus on, especially tonight. And the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. Now, that's not the norm. Uh, the, the, the norm would be exactly the opposite. Uh, and the idea here is the firstborn blessing. But the firstborn won't get the regular firstborn blessing, it'll be the younger one that gets the firstborn blessing. And that's what it means that the older will serve the younger. So verse 24, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. Uh, The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him red. That's what Esau means. Pretty easy. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. Remember, they were jostling within the womb. They were wrestling is what they were doing. And then when it came time for the birth, uh, this second one, he wanted to come out first, but red beating. His hand grasped me Esau's heel, so they named him heel grabber. That's what Jacob means. That's easy. So the first one's red, next one, heel grabber. How'd you like to have that name? Maybe you do. Now, if you're a Jacob tonight, don't raise your hand. 
But that's what your name means. Heel grabber. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter. Uh, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. He was a mama's boy. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebecca loved Jacob. That's a problem. That's wrong. That's favoritism. But it's reality here. That's what happens. Now, you jump to chapter 27, verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver, your bow. Go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Did you catch that? Now, Isaac knows the prophecy. Rebecca knows the prophecy. It's not going to be the normal. No, the older will serve the younger. Then why in the world is Isaac intending to go against the word of God? Well, it's just one simple reason. Esau is his favorite son. And he wants the blessing of the firstborn to go to Esau, even though God had prophesied that's not the way it's going to be. By the way, just a little side note, Hebrews 12, 23 says that you and I are the church of the firstborn. As the church of the firstborn, we have firstborn blessings. We have a firstborn inheritance. Are you with me? It's by God's grace. It's not anything we have done. It's because we're the church of the firstborn. Verse 5, now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare my, me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock, bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare, prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. This is a wicked plan. This is a wicked scheme. This is deceitful. My question here is, why would Rebecca do this? Two reasons. One is, Jacob is her favorite son. But there's another reason. She doesn't believe God's word. She doesn't trust God because she knows the prophecy. She doesn't have to manipulate. She doesn't have to deceive. She's just got to trust God. But she's not doing that. Verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. It wouldn't appear to be. You are. And would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. And his mother said, my son, let the curse fall on me. There's a great godly mom. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and he got them and he brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. And Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, put them on her younger son, Jacob. She covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. 
Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. And he went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. You liar. I've done just as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And Isaac asked his son, how'd you find it so quickly, my son? It's a quick hunting trip. The Lord, your God, gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. He's suspicious. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked I am, he replied. And then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate, brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you, peoples bow down to you, be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. I don't know if you know what happens next. The story never gets old to me, no matter how, how many times I've read it. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence. I mean, it's like a movie. His brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And his father, Isaac, asked him, who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I, I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed he will be blessed. And when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named heel grabber? He's deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Wait a minute. He's deceived me these two times. What is that? On another hunting trip, Esau came back. He was famished. Jacob had cooked some stew, and Esau asked for some stew, and Jacob said, well, sell me your birthright, and I'll give you some stew. He said, what good is my birthright if I'm going to die? Have it. Give me some stew. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Esau was godless. The story, it tells us he despised his birthright. And now he's mad for something that's really his own fault. And God's foreknowledge, God's foreknowledge knew, God's foreknowledge knew that Esau would be godless. He would despise his birthright. Therefore, the prophecy, the older will serve the younger. He won't get the firstborn blessing. His younger brother will. And his younger brother would have gotten it without lying, without deceiving, without listening to a, at, at this point in her life, a godless mother. She's got no real godly character. What a soap opera story. But it's a true story. It's a true story. 
Verse 37, chapter 27, Isaac answered Esau, I've made him Lord over you and made all his relatives his servants. And I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? And then Isaac wept aloud. And then he gets a prophecy. Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You'll live by the sword. You'll serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you'll throw his yoke off your neck. And it's his own fault. (laughs) Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Well, Rebecca hears about this. And uh, she, again, kind of deceitfully, kind of hidden from the real truth, she goes to Isaac and she complains about the Hittite women that Esau has married. He married out of the will of God, but he's a godless guy anyway. And he says, if Jacob, if my son Jacob marries one of these Hittite women or a pagan, I just can't handle it. And she's using this story now and Esau's godless wives uh, to save Jacob's life. And so there's an arrangement made, and they send Jacob off to Rebekah's brother, Uncle Laban. Chapter 28, so Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, commanded him, don't marry a Canaanite woman, go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethul, uh, and your uncle Laban, etc., etc. Esau realizes uh, when this is happening uh, how disgusted his parents are about his uh, wives, and so he marries uh, a a fellow Israelite and adds to his win, but he's just... It's a whole soap opera kind of thing going on here. It's amazing. Chapter 28, verse 10. Uh, Jacob left Beersheba, set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, that's a message to him. And the message is, you don't know it, and you're a heel grabber, and you're a deceiver, and you don't deserve it, but heaven's working on your behalf. That's the message. You don't deserve it, but heaven's working on your behalf. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I'll give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You'll spread out to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you. I'll watch over you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land. I won't leave you until I have done what I've promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. He was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head. He set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it, anointing. He called that place Bethel, means house of God, though it used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, will give me food to eat, clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I'll give you a tenth. I'm not going to get off on the tithe, but this is one reference to the tithe. Now, where did he get the idea of a tithe? That's what uh, The tithe just means 10%. I think no doubt he got it from Genesis 14, where Abram, Abraham, Melchizedek, Christ, 
king of righteousness and king of peace. And he gave him a tenth of the spoils. And there's the principle. I think it's a principle, scriptural principle, that every believer of every age, uh, if, if you really will look at it, uh, that, that the tithe is the standard to honor the Lord, Lord with. But that's all I'll say there. You take it and do with it what you want. But I think it's clear to me. This is the beginning of Jacob's relationship with the Lord. God appears to him through the dream. Uh, the message is, uh, I'm working, and heaven is working on your behalf, even though you don't deserve it. It's the grace of God. And then Jacob makes the commitment. Okay, God, if you'll be my God, I'll give you a tenth of all I get. Then he arrives, chapter 29, in Padan Aram, and <laughs> there's some ladies that he meets, and uh, Jacob... Uh, begins a conversation with them. Uh, Rachel shows up uh, as he's talking to some shepherds too. And um, while he was talking, verse 9, with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep for she was a shepherdess. And when Jacob saw uh, Rachel, daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well, watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel, began to weep aloud. He told Rachel he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah, so she ran and told her father. Uncle Laban. Laban comes back and brings Jacob to the house. And um, verse 16, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel. And he said to her dad, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. They agree. He works for seven years. And then he'll grab her. He'll grab her. On the night of his wedding, I mean, must have been a dark veil, uh, must have been a dark tent, because he goes in and he wakes up from his honeymoon night, the first night, and, and instead of having Rachel, Uncle Laban has deceived him. Uncle Laban has given him Leah. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You want to be a heel grabber, deceiver? <laughs> Guess what's coming back to you? Verse 26, chapter 29, Laban said, It's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's by the week. Then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. I mean, this guy, this guy, he, it, these guys are family for sure. Jacob and Laban. <laughs> Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Middle of verse 30, he loved Rachel more than Leah. What a family, huh? Favorite sons, <laughs> favorite wives. And when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. This is verse 31, 32. She named him Reuben, for she said, It's because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I'm not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. It means one who hears. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So she named him Levi. It means attached. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I'll just praise the Lord. She's trying to 
win her husband's love through giving him kids. So she says, this time I'll praise the Lord. So she named him Judah, which means praise, and then she stopped having children. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. And Jacob became angry and says, am I God? (laughs) My God, I can't open your womb. Then she said, here's Bilhah, my maidservant. Let's have kids through her. And then I'm not going to read the, that chapter, but look, here's what happens. Here's a, it becomes a competition. It becomes a competition for one man, these two women, this one man, to win his affection and to keep his affection for Rachel by having children. And there's a lot, uh, a lot of, well, there's a lot going on. It's a busy house. <laughs> and, I, and Jacob's buying into the whole thing. And, I, and just kids are coming left and right, left and right. I mean, kids, kids, and kids. And then you get to chapter 30, verses 25 and following, and there's a deal made. There's a deal made with Uncle Laban. Let me read part of it. Um, Laban says in verse 27, I found out by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. And he had to name your wages and I'll pay them. And Jacob said, you know how I've worked for you and how uh, your livestock is fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly. So what shall I give you? He said, verse 31, don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you'll do this one thing for me, I'll go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today, remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. That'll be my wages. He tells us later that God gives him a dream that God's going to bless him through this deal he makes. But you still see, let me, just trust me, if you read the chapter carefully, chapter 30, you still see this deceptive nature. You still see this uh, trying to manipulate things to get the blessing of God, and he doesn't really need to do that. He needs to learn to trust God. Well, God blesses him, and then there's quarreling because he's being so blessed between Laban's servants and Jacob's servants, and so Laban ends up or Jacob ends up leaving without telling Rachel's dad, Uncle Laban. Well, Laban gets mad, and uh, he follows them. He finds them, and he says, what are you doing taking my daughters like that? Without even telling me. Verse 26, chapter 31. we got to be alert tonight. Come on. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. And they talk, and Jacob says, I was afraid because I thought you'd take your daughters away from me by force. That's verse 31. And uh, then Laban says, somebody, somebody in your group has stolen my gods. And he says, if you find anyone who has your gods, he shall not live. Little does he know, his wife Rachel. There's again this godlessness She's told her father's household gods. Laban goes to searching and uh, goes into Rachel's tent, and she's acting like it's her time of the month. She says, excuse me, Dad, I can't get up. And she's got the gods hidden underneath her. And she lies. And she deceives. And the soap opera just continues. And then if you keep reading the story of Jacob, He's on his way now back to the homeland, and he hears that Esau is coming to meet him. And he's 
He's so fearful. Oh no, he's gonna kill me. for joining us today on The Living Word. Pastor Danny's study through Genesis will continue next time, so be sure to tune in again. In the meantime, we encourage you to read through Genesis on your own. As you read, you'll discover more stories and characters and see exactly how God worked in their lives. These true accounts from the beginning of history are meant to inform you, and in this case, remind you of who God is. He loves His creation, you included and He wants to be a part of your life. We're so glad that you took the time to learn from God's Word today, and we'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry at our website, ccfstpete.church. You'll also learn about Calvary Chapel Fellowship and how you can join us for our weekly worship services. We meet on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings to spend time in worship and Bible study. You can find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. We'd love to hear from you too, so send us an email and let us know how we can pray for you. You can email us at info at ccfstpete.church. Would you pray for us too? We appreciate you partnering with us in this way, and we ask that you pray for your fellow listeners too. We'd also like you to consider supporting us financially. You can find out more on our website, ccfstpete.church. That's all we have time for for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.